What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Brady Quinn Football Show! That's actually getting really old. We need to, we need to figure out something else at this point in time, uh, in the offseason, don't we? You don't want to just, you just don't want to do air horns in front of your small child that you're feeding. Is that what it is? Um, I'm Will Brinson. That's Brady uh, it could be that. Yeah, we, we could, we could, I mean, look, you don't want to, like, if I was, if my dog was in this room, I would be doing quiet air horns because I don't want to wake George up because when you wake George up, he becomes a terror who wants to, you know, he wants to go for a run around the lake, but it's cold and rainy, so I don't want to do that with him. He wants, you know, treats and Why stuff. do people name their dogs human names? Why is that? Um, I had no say in naming my dog, so I, I don't know, but it is weird. Like, George is a name, like, the name of your friend who you would expect to uh, perhaps spend a weekend playing croquet with in, um, you know, in, in, in the mountains. And, and instead George is my, my spaniel or my King Charles Cavalier. He's not a spaniel. What am I talking about? Um, and uh, King Charles Cavalier. He what, is, a, he is a what a ritzy dog. He's a King Charles Cavalier spaniel. Excuse me. That's what kind of dog. He it's is. called a, it's called a lap dog, isn't it? He's a lap dog. Uh, he's a little, a little more hyper. I was told he was going to be a quote low energy love sponge, and it turns out he's a wonky eyed quote a wonky eyed psychopath. So uh, didn't really, <laughs> didn't really. I would I would claim a little bit of false advertising in this spot. Um, but we do love George, and uh, I, I will probably try to walk him at some point today. But running around in the cold and rain, it's not really an ideal situation, Brady. No, no, it's not. And uh, for anyone who's, who's had a dog, we have two. We have two boxers. One's not doing so well, so uh, we're hoping to hang on to him for a little bit longer. Um, but, yeah, like taking him on the rain, taking him on the cold, it, it seems like it's way more fun for them. You yes. know, the whole experience in general, which – and I don't know if you want to get into the conversation of, like, do you pick up their dog poop? Like, I, I, I obviously do, but there's a lot of people who don't pick up their dog's poop because they don't, they, they feel like it's beneath them, right? Like, they're, why am I picking up an inferior animal's poop? You know what right, I'm saying? Yeah, so my deal is I, um, I always pick up my dog's poop. Um, we have a lot of little bags attached to it. I will not, if George goes to the bathroom in like a wooded area that's not clearly a lawn, I'll let him poop there. Um, if I'm in a city, in a city situation, City situation, get it? Um, I will, uh, I will, I will always, I will always pick up the poop. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah. And you now my big beef is that I don't like it when someone else picks up their dog's poop and then throws the bag in my trash can. That have we talked about? We might. Have Ooh, so, so let me ask you this, because 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 I've I've done this, but I've also been mindful in thinking about that. But if it's like trash day and the trash has not come, I'm okay. Is with it okay it. then if it's already out? I'm okay with it as long as you're a reasonable human who's gonna. I mean, that bag needs to be tied and tied tight. Um, like I don't want you know. Right, like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, I mean, I'm. Th- that's a societal contract that I'm okay with. I don't do it myself. I'll just I'll just write it out and get to my own trash can because I don't I don't want to impinge on somebody else's uh, or impede on somebody else's potential you know, trash freedom. Like my, my wife, my wife has no qualms whatsoever about throwing a open, like quarter full diet Coke in a, in our, in our big green trash can outside of like, what are you doing? She's like, it's a trash can. Ants live in the trash. I'm like, no, you don't want to attract ants to the trash. This is insane. What, why are you doing that? Bring it inside, pour it out, throw it in a trash bag. And that way we don't get, you know, sticky sugar all over the trash can. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. That is an issue that I think a lot of men deal with. Just mm. overall respect for what the trash can really is. Yes. And that's it, it's a facilitator, okay? It's not like a trash bag, right? Because it's not going to be able to hold in all of it. It's a facilitator for your trash to get it from your home to the truck to a dump. And, and like, that's all it is. Like, people disrespect trash cans all the time. There's actually a guy I know, he's running a business out of this now. <laughs> he's like, because trash cans sort of smell so bad. He's like, yeah, I, I go around and I clean out people's trash cans and they'll pay like 20 bucks a trash can to do this, which <laughs> I never thought I'd hear the day where people would pay for someone to wash out and clean out their trash can. I, uh, I like that idea. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the guy cleaning it out, but, uh, you know, getting somebody to come in and scrub a, a trash can, you know, cause like otherwise you got to call the city and say, I need a new trash bin. And they're like, why do you need a new trash bin? You're like, well, mine's filthy. They're like, well, that's your problem, bro. Tell your wife to stop dropping Diet Cokes in there. But, yeah, I mean, it, it really bugs me. I think that um, we should have a little bit more trash can etiquette when it comes to uh, when it comes to dealing with the, these these situations. And, by the way, this is a very off-season topic. I like it. I think I think we, we, could, do, <laughs> we could do a um, – we, we, 
we immediately hit a tangent as, as soon as you started to do the intro for the show. I know the last three po- iTunes reviews for this podcast are like, lunatic host won't stop going on tangents. He's babbling incoherently or something like that. So, And you know what? Find the lie, okay? Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk about the AAF. Did you did you watch the AAF? Yeah, I did. I've actually been paying attention to it. I've got a bunch of different thoughts on it. Can I start off by asking this though? At one point, it was the AAFL. When did they drop the L? Like, yeah. if it's the Alliance of American Football, like unless it's a league, like okay, it feels like it's just a bunch of guys who got together and there's an alliance there, and they play football in America. Like, I'm not really sure. Yeah, so it's the Alliance of American Football, and when we had Ben Kerchival on the podcast last week, I messed it up. I was even like, the Alliance of American Football League. He's like, no, 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 that's not right. I'm like, oh, you're right. I think Alliance and League would be a little redundant, um, but I do, and I do, like, the League part throws me off a little bit, but that's okay. I mean, you know, it's all right to have an alliance. Why would it throw you off? I mean, the Alliance, it's like, well, I I get it. Like, they're all aligned. They're all (laughs) in a similar view, but... How do we know they're playing games? Maybe they're just there philosophizing and practicing. You know, don't you need a league to actually then make it official? Uh, what? Maybe they are philosophizing. Maybe they're. Is that even a word? I don't. I don't know. I was trying to run it through my head. I was trying to do some um, some other words, but then I almost said like maybe they're. Uh, I, I I don't. I'm not going to try and do the other words because I almost I almost said a bad one. Um, anyway, you say oh no, philosophizing is a word. It actually is a word. I yeah. just looked it up. They're philosophizing out here. Um. So, these games are eight teams. They played football. Four, uh, there were all eight teams played each weekend. That's right. So all eight teams played over the yeah. weekend. Um, how much? In all honesty, you know, and like I know that you, Brady Quinn, you are a brutally honest human being. You are not going to uh, you're not going to sugarcoat this just because you know all the games are on CBS. How many minutes out of a possible? Whether well, four games, two hundred forty minutes. How many minutes? Of the AAF, did you watch this weekend? So I watched two <laughs> games. Okay. I was able to watch. Well, and this is in part more because I was watching my I both uh, my daughters solo. Okay. So that becomes a little bit difficult task before they go to bed. So the four o'clock game on Saturday, I didn't see quite as much of, and then the eight o'clock game, I got to see a little bit more of. That was the um, Atlanta versus Orlando game. Uh, Spurrier matched up against. Well, I, it's supposed to be Brad Childress' team, but he dropped out and Kevin <laughs> Coyle took over. Um, which, look, it, that, that's one issue that I, I, I think, when talking about the sustainability of this league, I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But overall, this was my first impression. Um, as I was walking like down, I ended up having a babysitter. One of my buddies was in town, so I met up with them. Just kind of walking by the different restaurants and bars. Everyone had it up, man. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know in some cases it beat the NBA in prime time, if not tied it at a very minimum. Uh, so there's a buzz about it. And I think people love football. They're willing to watch it. They're willing to, you know, hear a different spin or a different story. Um, but, you know, some people said, look, the uniforms look cheesy. I don't think they're that bad. They kind of remind me of any given Sunday. They look <laughs> as good, if not better, than what's in the CFL. Um, so it didn't bother me so much because it's a startup league. Like, I don't think any uniform we're going to walk away and be like, oh, that's a great-looking uniform. So um, overall, I was actually uh, impressed with the product, the competition, or I should, I should really say level of play. Um, but I think it exceeded my expectations of what I thought the league was going to be. And I think it's going to work, man. It, it, it's going to work for a number of different reasons. What do you think of it? Well, yeah, I think it's going to work too. And I'm interested to expand on that a little bit. But, but I will say my initial impression, here's my biggest takeaway. And I talked about this, uh, with some friends on set on Sunday night. Um, actually, uh, Dane Clevin, our, uh, our video, our camera guy, uh, your producer, whatever, whatever the hell his title is. He was in, yeah. uh, he was yeah. in, he was in town with Matt Norlander in Chapel Hill for a, um, for, for the, for the Carolina UVA game, which was on Monday night. On Sunday night, they came over to Raleigh and went out to eat with me and Chip Patterson and, and our wives and, and my son. Uh, we went to the PR and had a nice little dinner, but, um, we were talking, I was talking with him about this and, because the games were on in the background. He's like, man, you know, everybody's like, yeah, it seems like it's going really well. My biggest takeaway, Brady, is that I felt like because of the, and, and this is not me, sucking up or, or you know being a company man i mean i am a company man and i am a suck up but this is not me doing that um that the the familiarity of the cbs broadcast i think makes it so much easier to sort of dive into because you are 
you feel like when you sit down and you're watching this, like obviously the football rules are the same. You know, 15 minutes, you know, there's some tweaks here, there are no kickoffs, et cetera, but you don't, you know, as you're watching it, you know, if you're not deep diving on it for work, you're not really noticing some of that stuff. It feels like it's moving quickly. And the basic visual framework of, of the league and, and what you get to see because it's that CBS broadcast made it very easy. Like it felt like I was watching a Mountain West game or um, an NFL, a Sunday NFL game. Like I didn't, I didn't feel jolted by anything weird and for me that's a big plus like I can just sort of slide into the games I there are a lot of names I know NFL names both coaches and and in terms of the players um, you know you don't really have to work hard to get what's happening and I think that helps a lot does that make sense makes complete sense and I, and I think um, so so just to kind of talk about the things I liked I like the pace of the game I think the five yeah. seconds less on the play clock makes all the sense in the world to really be honest you could probably go to 30 seconds mm-hmm. um, but at that point unless you're reducing the overall time per quarter you're probably going to run into that player safety issue of actually having more plays um, right because that's one of the reasons why when you're looking at the play clock even though it speeds up the amount of time in between plays it also could create a, a scenario where everyone's running up tempo and they're running a ton of plays and it could hurt player safety when they've got I, I believe their active roster on game day is 44, which is two less than the NFL. Um, and, and that's a whole other subject. Like, there's some really good things they have, right? Like that, the play clock at 35 seconds. Like that, the fact they have to go for two-point conversions after touchdowns. I think the overtime rule is interesting, right? They, they get the ball in the 10, they get four downs to score a touchdown, and then a two-point conversion. Um, and, and, and that's how it works. Each team gets a possession. So that's kind of interesting. The no kickoffs, player safety. And, and, and it's not like you miss kickers because – Kickers have been huge in these games as far as field goals go. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, field goals uh, being made, and it's kind of surprising. It seems like the the field goal kicking has been better than what it was in the NFL, at least (laughs) the first weekend. Um, So kickers are still involved. Special teams are still involved. Yet there's still elements that are able to take out some of the more dangerous plays in the game. And, and look, I, I think people should like it. There's still some fantastic plays. I love the fact that there's big hits that aren't being flagged. Right. As much as they're concerned about player safety, they're also letting these guys play. And, and even though that'll be adjustment for that player, once he has to go to the NFL, because that's not how they, you know, they're calling things. Right. It makes this game more fun to watch. Um, so from that perspective, it's great. Here's, here's a couple of the issues. You've got an issue with parity. You're not going to have parity in this league because it's going to be about the haves, the haves and the haves nots because of how they're going about sourcing the athletes for each team. So because they're kind of working regionally with the universities that are around these, these teams, right, like Orlando, for example, they're going to have a stacked team. The majority of kids, I shouldn't say the majority, but by far and away every year, the most D1 scholarships, the most guys who end up playing in the NFL are from Florida. Sure. So they've got an advantage over everyone else. The, the next state that's up there or is number two, Texas. So San Antonio is going to be pretty darn good. Um, you saw both those teams – uh, play with us past week, and I, I think they are two of the best teams. So, you know, there's there's those hurdles I think for the league because people are going to say, well, look at the you know win loss margin in these games. They weren't that close. Look, you're going to get that because there's going to be a talent gap, especially in the first year. But think about, for example, a a franchise expansion team, right, and how it looks year one in the NFL versus how they end up looking after a few years. Like it takes a while to build that up and to make these teams more competitive. You've got all, all expansion teams in, in this case for this league. So uh, that's kind of one hurdle initially, but I think that'll, that'll dissipate over time. Uh, the quarterback play, O-line play, those are two of the biggest issues in the AAF. And it's funny because, look, there are issues in the NFL. <laughs> like, yeah. like when your starter's not Tom Brady, when your starter's not you know, a future Hall of Famer or left tackle, you got issues. And, and those are the two hardest positions to develop. That's the whole purpose of the league, not, not only for all the positions, but really quarterbacks, offensive linemen, like for development. So it's not shocking that you would see them struggling to protect at times and having to implement rules that protect quarterbacks and limit how many guys can rush. So uh, it's just it's kind of funny to me when you hear about some people, um, you know, making those comments about those two positions. You were like, well, yeah, duh. If they were good enough, they'd already be in the NFL right now. So. Um, it, it, it's so funny. And, and, and that was one of the things my buddy and I were joking about just saying how, when you look at this league, you know, what the one comment everyone's going to say a thousand times a game, well, 
That's why he's not in the NFL. He <laughs> dropped that ball. He missed that pass. He couldn't block that guy. That's why he's not in the NFL. Yeah, dude, we get it. But like 80% of these guys have been on NFL contracts. They just need more game experience. They need more development. And, and everyone's got a different learning curve. So I, I really do like the upside of this league. I do too. Uh, one thing I'm going to complain about with the AAF um, is that uh, I can't figure out where the hell the stats are. Like I'm, I'm trying to do this podcast with you, and I'm trying to figure out like what was Garrett Gilbert's stat line for the. And, and I mean, maybe this is a. I, I don't, I don't want to get fired over this. So I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. But like on the AAF.com, there's a. Uh, for those who don't know, the AAF and CBS work together. There's a bunch of broadcasts on CBS. So I mean, I'm sure our bosses are are interested in this. But like you, there's a. They they created a web page. AZ uh, Arizona, the um, Arizona Hotshots, and the Salt Lake City. Uh, Stallions, final 38-22, Arizona 1, st- team stats page. I click on it. It's three screenshots of their stats. What the, like, and I see NFL, it's like the, you know, the NFL, uh, the Jesus, G, you know, the, that they, the, the stat system that they have for keeping track of this. The, I'm yeah. seeing that, but I'm not seeing, yeah. I'm not seeing anywhere to access this. Like, is it AAFL Jesus? I mean, like, I need, I need stats. Okay. That's what I'm asking for. I need, I need more access to stats. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I need them now because I'm trying to do, um, a, uh, a podcast about this and it's, and without it, it's difficult. Do you see what I'm saying? It's hard. Yes. I, I definitely see what you're saying. And, uh, that I think is an issue for them. I think if you saw some of the, the promos and some of the different storylines about how this league got started, some of that's fascinating because they've implemented technology that like, for example, you just want to see box scores, right? It's kind of old fashioned, but yeah. that, that's all you want to see. And, um, you know, other people would say, well, if you watch the game or if you download their app, you do know they have an app, right? I'm, I'm on their app and there's, no, an... there's no stats. They can't click on okay. the box score. So, I, all I want is a box score. I can't click on it. They were talking about, um, how they how they formulated the league, and they're talking about a lot of technology behind it. And one of the interesting things was they actually worked with a developer who wanted to engage people in the game, where they could kind of guess the next play and maybe bet on the next play and all that. Yep. And they they found someone to be able to do it. I'm not sure if you saw the story, but it, it fascinated me because they have chips in the ball, they have chips in the shoulder pads. I believe they might even have chips. I don't know if they have the helmet or not, um, but they have chips like in everything. And so the the, the crazy thing was. They, 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 it wasn't a hurdle for them. It would be for the NFL because of a lot of the prior existing deals that they have and some of the hurdles they'd have to deal with. Yep. But because it's a startup league, you know, Charlie Eversall and those guys can implement it right away. Now, I don't know if that's the hiccup. If, you know, applying that technology and whatever stats they have, it, it's taken a while to roll out, or maybe they're still in discussions about who's going to be headlining for that. I mean, a lot of those stats, um, groups that, that handle all of that, they're expensive, man. They're not cheap. So uh, maybe that's part of it is they're still trying to figure out the rest of this league, but we at least get a box score. And here's the bottom line. Because you don't have stats to revert back to and look at, you kind of have to rely on them watching the game, do you not? Yeah. I mean, thank goodness I watched, like, like for instance, Luis Perez, who is the quarterback of the Birmingham Iron, I believe, looked like, like that dude's going to yep. end up on an NFL roster, or at least he's going to get – he was on the Rams – and they kept Sean Mannion over him. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, Brady. The Rams should trade Jared Goff and re-sign Lewis Perez. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear some of the overreactions to, like, all of the performances that are done uh, in, in the AAF. You know, and just how the hype that some of these players have coming into it. Just, I find it fascinating. Um, the stats is a bit of an issue, though, because I was talking to someone else last night about that. And they're like, yeah, you can't find stats anywhere. I'm like, well, it, it, they're kind of irrelevant, right? Like, like let's, let's be honest, like you want stats so you can be a nerd and geek out and be like, oh, look whose numbers were, blah, blah, blah. Or like Christian Hackenberg, that's so <laughs> good of a showing. Kind of like kind of like when he was in the NFL, ha, ha, ha. Um, but the bottom line is it doesn't, the stats don't really matter. Those, that's not what this league is about. Those it's were, really about winning and losing. We'll see who the champion is, and that, it's really about the development of the players. So, um, yeah, you can use it as a gauge for where they're at, but I, I kind of, and I don't mind the fact you don't have them right now because it forced you to go back and watch the game or tune in when they're actually on <laughs> if you want to see the play and how players played. Okay, but like if you go to AAF.com and right. there's a big play hotshot shining, 
38-22 win over Stallions. Like, you can read an article by Jose Romero, who works for the Alliance, who was covering the game, and he writes that John Walford, the former Wake Forest quarterback turned, uh, turned hot shots quarterback, was 18 of 29 for 275 yards and four touchdowns. Was Jose Romero, like, d- counting this by hand? Is somebody giving him a box score? Where's my, like, give me a box score. I need I'm, a box I'm score. I'm sure they, I'm sure they are, but here, here's the brilliance of it again. Where do you have to go to find the information? To the AAF.com. And I have to read yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I so, knew it. Yeah, I, you, you actually have to read it. You have to read the article. Like they're forcing you to, to direct traffic to their site to go find them and all that. Maybe not the best move, but I'm saying if that was their strategy, it's not the worst idea in the world to see like, okay, we put you, we put us on big CBS on Saturday. We went head to head with the NBA. We did pretty well. If there's that much of a buzz, like people will figure it out. They'll find us. Oh my God. Find out the stats for a lot of these players. Okay. Literally in the last five minutes while we were having this conversation, they have updated the website with all the games, screenshots of all the score of all the, and it's the exact same format as the NFL uses for its stats. Um, but they put up their team stats, no individual stats, which is kind of interesting. I wonder if they're slowly updating these or if they just want to, they don't want to give access to everybody. Um, but they have put up individual they put up team stats and the final box scores just screenshots it's a very bizarre thing to do uh, i will note that it- oh hey hey look sigh of relief sigh of relief for will brinson you can now breathe easy you have your stats to rely on because besides watching one game you, you probably didn't see much else besides what was on social media i highlights, right? that the, the, all of those things that you're saying about me seem like very fair and very gross inaccurate like very fair but yet very stereotypical um uh, and, and unfair characters. But are they accurate? They but are, are they yeah. accurate? <laughs> yes, they're accurate. Uh, they're all accurate. Okay, you, you son of a biscuit. Um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is great call. Hey, can we talk about why, like, I think it will work? Yes. Yeah. 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 That, mean, yes. Yes. That was what I was going to ask you about. Next. So, because, because here, here's the issue. Like, NFL Europe, it was a great league for development. We got guys like Kurt Warner out of it, Jake DeLome as far as quarterbacks. There's, there's countless other players on other positions, right? But Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer, and Jake DeLone went to the Super Bowl. So it, it, it kind of proves the point. Like, if you can get one player out of a developmental league that goes to the Hall of Fame, you're kind of like, okay, this, 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 this could be pretty legit. Owners had to pay like a million bucks a pop in order to make that work. That was at least the numbers that I heard. Maybe it was more than that. But it, was, it worked because what it did was it not only gave players the, the you know, opportunity to develop, it gave coaches more of an opportunity to coach. It gave officials more refs, and, and, and that helped them continue to improve and build up their roster. And it helped broadcast. Like, I know people don't care about the broadcast, but, you know, ultimately when you're serving up different replays and things that are being, you know, used in, in the reviewing process, it then matters, doesn't it? And so to be able to, you know, have a bunch of people who know what they're doing on the bigger stages because they've got all these refs, it's important. And I thought it was short-sighted in the NFL to get rid of NFL Europe back in the day. Um, and, and so now you look at and you say, okay, they want to see someone create a model that is self-sustained where they don't need the help from the NFL owners, and then they can eventually partner with them. And then they can start figuring out some of the other pieces once that point in time comes. Um, and the reason why I think it will be able to sustain itself is for starters, they've already found a partner for broadcasting CBS. They have already opened themselves up to the opportunity to allow you know, gambling as that continues to improve. And, and, and they've got an app that's going to allow you to do that. So that, to me, is going to be a huge driver that's going to be allowed them to be profitable. And then they've been able to cap what they're paying their players, 7K, I think, per person per game. And so they already know what some of those fixed costs are. So there's a lot of things right now that you think have to be working in their favor. Um, but the reason why it couldn't work is you kind of mentioned it, the familiarity with the CBS broadcast and some of the NFL names with it, right? But here's an issue. What happens if Mike Martz goes back coaching somewhere else? What happens if – Steve Spurrier decides to go coaching somewhere else. You all of a sudden lose those like famed names. I mean, Brad Childress already mentioned, he already stepped down. So now you've got Kevin Coyle, who I don't think has ever been a head coach. And, you know, he's trying to take over a team and pick up the pieces. And it's, it's like, you know, you're Michael Vick, for example, he was supposed to be the OC. His lack of involvement has now led them to try to find another position for him to be within the AAF. And, and that's what you, you know, that, that's, that's what's at risk. They've got to have a big roster of guys of NFL people that have name and credibility. Otherwise you're going, okay, like, wait, now why are we watching again? We're just because these are developmental players or maybe there's some players I'm following from their days in college. Like it, it starts to lose some of its wear uh, or it starts to lose some of its luster when you don't have some of those big names as a part of it. So that could be a potential issue moving forward. And, and let's, let's, let's just be honest. What happens if like Mike Singletary's team 
ends up being awful for the next two or three years. <laughs> Does he get fired? Like, yeah. I mean, all, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of a sudden you lose a, a big name like that. And, and because he didn't have success in this developmental league, like, you got to move on and find a guy who's going to win. Like, is that what it's about? Because um, it, it, it becomes kind of dicey at that point, like how you go about viewing it. No, no, that's a fair point. And I think, like, anybody who expected Michael Vick to magically be a great offensive coordinator may have been selling Michael Vick a little bit more than – you know. I mean, like, I, I get that he's a big name, and I get that it's an interesting name, especially with Atlanta and all that he means in that city, but it's like – Look, Mike Vick isn't just going to be great as an offensive coordinator. That's a hard job to do. Let me ask you this. Okay, is there – I'm trying to think of the – I don't have your Wikipedia page up. Usually it's bookmarked as the top option on my on my computer, as you know. Um, when you were – All lies. What's All that? All lies. I, I, I think I have Brady – let's see, Brady, Quinn. Uh, I don't have it. Let's see. Uh, do, you ever, do you ever Google yourself? Do you ever Google yourself? No. No, I don't. Uh, all right, I'm not going to get tangented here. Okay, so – I want to think, like, in circa 2013, now you were still very much, you know, I mean, like, you, because you were done in 2014, right? Would you have, as, yeah. as the, as the backup, as a backup quarterback in 2013, would you have left the NFL to go be a starter in the AF, AAF, or would you have stuck with where you were? And I understand there are some very vastly different financial considerations there. But so I, I, I'm, I'm trying to frame it in a way, I'm trying to get your mental standpoint, not you specifically, but just where these quarterbacks will be at. Guys who might be stuck behind a starter, would they rather go, you know, take a shot at the AAF in the offseason and be able to showcase what they can do with the hope that they can come back and maybe get a starter gig? Does that make sense? Yeah, no. So, so I think this league is, is, is different. It, it's not for older guys. Like I was going, I was in my seventh year in 2013, right? right? So going into the 2014, I was recovering from a back injury and that plagued me more than anything else. I mean, I, I delayed working out for teams, Detroit, Chicago, um, that summer because I just, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't ready. And I don't know that I'll ever be back to what I was before that due to some of the complications I, I had with my back still have. So to me, it was more like injury based as far as how my career went at the end. Right. But even then, like, I don't, they're not looking for a guy who's going into his eighth year. You know what I'm saying? Like they're looking for a guy who's probably within, at least in regards to quarterbacks, right? Like their mind's already made up at that point in my career, one of my seventh year, like they, they, they'd seen enough where they're like, we don't feel like he could be a starter anymore. Right. right, like maybe a backup, but that, 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 that's how we feel. Or maybe he'd come in and, and help mentor a rookie or a young guy because we feel like he's a good locker room guy, he works hard, does the right things, blah, blah, blah. They're not looking for that in the AAF. They want to have these young guys like a Perez or a Christian Hackenberg, who at one point was a five-star coming out of high school. Sure. He goes to Penn State, has a great freshman year, and then can never really replicate that or grow from it, and then bounce around the NFL. And, and, and in my opinion, like you see a flash of like, Gosh, he's got a good arm. Man, he can drop a dime. And then you see him miss like a five-yard shallow cross route by like five yards. Yeah. And I'm like, holy cow. It, you know, they're looking to see if those guys, those young guys, can find enough tape and enough development to then become something that maybe one day they're a backup and maybe they find themselves in to, in to be a starter um, for, for the majority of, of these guys we're talking about. Okay. And so did anybody else besides maybe like, like a Luis Perez type, uh, flash year or Garrett Gilbert, of course, uh, played, played uh, a game and looked pretty sharp. Anybody else that you noticed that you're like, man, this guy might have a legit future. No, I mean, look, those two in particular kind of, you, you sat there and said to yourself, okay. Um, now granted, I, I feel like Gilbert's on a really good team and that, that's always going to help. Um, you know, Perez, same thing. I thought he played well. It's one game. I mean, you're not, you're not going to base your opinion over one game. Like this time of year, for example, just, just to make a comparison, um, you know, it's a really good exercise. If you're going to the combine, you're going to look at all these quarterbacks that are eligible for the NFL draft to look at like their first game of the season and the last game mm. to get an idea of like how far they've come and how much they've grown. I would, I would make the same case for these guys in the AAF. You're not going to formulate your opinion based off one game. Like, I'd rather look at where they are in the beginning and then where they are at the end and, and then kind of see, okay, like, did they continue to develop? Did they stay at least the same if they played at a, you know, really high level um, before you start making some sort of snap judgment on, on some of these players? All right, that's fair enough. Okay, any other AAF takeaways that you want to add before we go to our commercial break? Conspiracy theory. Oh, go, yes. So go. Th- there's, there's a conspiracy theory out there I love about the league and everyone's saying, why is the timing of it now? Why is the AAF coming this year, 2019? 
and the XFL in 2020. And a lot of people have been led to believe that, hey, there's potentially a, a lockout or a strike coming. Probably more of a strike than a lockout, but work stoppage nonetheless. Well, and, well there, and, first of well, all, there's a new CBA coming in 2021, and there's a fight brewing between the two sides. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Yes. A work stoppage, which would most likely end up being a strike because the players are more disgruntled than the owners. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, so the, the common thought is, OK, so the players strike. What do the NFL NFL owners do? Well, here's all these players. You can make them scabs. They'll come in. They'll, you know, across the line. They'll, they'll, they'll play. Oh. They'll gladly play for the money that the NFL players are making. So there's, there's a lot of common thought that that would be the route. Um, and maybe the NFL owners would go or some of these players in the, in the AAF and the XFL would go, which yeah, there's a possibility of that, right? Like there's nothing sure. that would prevent these players who are 80% of them had NFL contracts before. So they know what that money looks like. They've experienced it before. It's going to be better than what they're experiencing now. So it's a possibility. But wouldn't you make the same case? It's possible that if these players are striking from the NFL because they don't like the work conditions, couldn't they just go to the XFL or go to the AAF? And then find someone who's going to, you know, maybe one of those leagues is going to play a couple of those stars a bunch of money. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to go play in this league until things get figured out in the NFL. Like, as much as it provides leverage for the owners to be able to have a roster of guys, which you have to also keep this in mind. There's eight teams in the AAF. We've got the XFL, the league that hasn't even started yet. So you don't have enough players to have an entire league of NFL players. So keep that in mind. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like you could, you could use this the other way and say, does it provide an opportunity and leverage too for players to then say, well, maybe I'm going to, I'm going to go over to the XFL for a year and they're going to pay me 10 million bucks to do this or to be you know, their quarterback or to be their star running back or wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it kind of works both ways if you're going to run with that conspiracy theory. I actually think the second one makes more sense where it's like the AF, the AAF and the XFL are like, look, if this work stoppage happens, Hey, everybody, come on over. We got cash. You want to make money while you're being, while you're being locked out? And I mean, look, who knows how long a lockout or a, or a strike or whatever it ends up being classified as. There's all sort of legal technicalities. And I, I can't wait until this is a daily CBA podcast. I mean, that's going to be a blast in 2021. Although I guess if I'm still doing this podcast in 2021 or we're still doing this podcast in 2021, that I would sign for, um, talking about the, the strike every single day of the, every single day of the week. That would be fun. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it makes total sense if, if the AAF has been going for two years and the NFL goes on strike and it looks like there might, you know, or, or, or maybe the, you know, it looks like the NFL is going to go on strike in 2021. Maybe some of these NFL guys go play the AAF in the offseason to get a little more extra cash. I mean, like, you know, even if you're talking about 70 grand, I mean, it's, you know, that's not. Um, you know, it's not life changing money for, for many NFL stars, but that's still 70 grand that's in your pocket that you won't be getting if, if the work stoppage happens. And that's where, you know, if you're the XFL, I know they're not started up right now. The AAF has the first mover advantage, but it's not the, it's not a bad thing. I mean, yeah. maybe you're starting to get a sense for what's happening and maybe you're starting to create your partnerships, right? Um, and, and then who knows? Maybe it's a scenario where the NFL partners with the AAF to then field some of its players. Uh, during a work stoppage while other guys are striking and maybe they decide the NFLPA decides to align with the XFL mm, and says, you know, this wow. is going to be the league. That's, that's our kind of fallback. I mean, could you imagine it all of a sudden being a competition now between the AAF and the XFL in that regard? I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways this could go, but I, I think it's, it's fun to, you know, just, just think about how this could end up working out and then really what it provides both the owners and the players in the case of a work stoppage. That's like a Game of Thrones level, uh, political battle between the two sides. Did you, um, so you were, you were playing in well, the middle I, of a work I stoppage, mean, because, right? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was playing during the last lockout, which again, you know, the technicalities of it, the strike, the, the players or the workers in this case, they decide not to work under those conditions. A lockout is the owners then saying, Hey, we're locking you out. We don't like the, the collective bargaining agreement we have right now. We'd like to change some language. So we're locking the doors. You can't come to work. Yeah. Right. So two, two big differences when we, when we were talking about work stoppage and we were locked out. So we couldn't go to the facility and train. We were trying to work on a new collective bargaining agreement. Um, we had prepared ourselves a little slush fund, if you will, um, or, or treasure chest of what I think 60 grand for the, the period of time in the off season. Who's, which, wait, wait, who's, the who's, crazy thing who's, about. who's we, the, the union or like you or like you players union, players union. We had, we had deferred uh, money 
into a non-interest earning account. That's how brilliant the players union is a non-interest <laughs> earning account uh, to save up. So we not only do we you know lose out on inflation, but you know, we're saving up for the off season. So as, as soon as the new league year hits, as soon as we start to enter into um, what was going to be a lockout, uh, we then, you know, there's some bonuses being you know paid to players or there's, there's players who aren't signing in free agency that would normally be, be being signed. Right. Um, so there was, there were some issues and, you know, once we came to the point of a lockout, you know, guys needed money. And, and, and even though you're typically, you know, you don't, you don't receive your salary until the season actually starts. Uh, players were blowing through money. Players were blowing through the 60 grand because Jesus. they were already taking advanced payments on contracts, all sorts of different things. So uh, there was really no leverage on the side of the players, even though that would be our best, that would have been our best moment to then utilize whatever leverage we had, because from a PR perspective, it shouldn't be easy to, to sell or shouldn't be hard to sell the fact that the owners, it was the owners who had locked out the players, the workers, the billionaires, the guys who have a ton of money are the ones that locked out the players, the millionaires in some cases uh, from playing football. So it should have been an easy PR swing. It wasn't the owners got ahead of the players union uh, and, and it ended up being something where, Players were being sold a deal that wasn't a good deal, and that's why you see so much frustration with where we are now. It's wild how – I will say this, though. I think that it is difficult for the union in some respects to get the public behind them and to, like, support the players. And, I mean, I get that there are certain political divides that, that create those those uh, opinions, but by and large um, – the, the, one of the great things that sports leagues and owners have done in, in order to line their pockets and, and one of the brilliant moves they made from a marketing perspective is to convince fans that, you know, that it's our team. Like, it's your team and it doesn't matter who's playing for the team, but the team is the important part. It's like, no, that's not really, that's not really how you should operate. <laughs> well, I, I think ultimately people don't care. Right. They like, don't care about the They don't X. care about these squabbling between millionaires and billionaires. Right. They're just like, I want to be able to watch football. I want to be able to go to a bar, watch football, or bet on the game, or go to the game, have a beer and a hot dog. Like, they don't care. You they get, just know that they can't enjoy their Sundays like they used to, and it's frustrating them. So, you get, you get uh, to, that's you what get, I think the greatest issue is. You get paid millions of dollars to play a game you love, Brady. Just shut up and snap the football. Uh, shut up and throw that pigskin, all right? <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's go take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we will uh, wrap up some news from around the NFL. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, so... um Hey, that's a lot of AAF talk, man. That was great. We might, uh, maybe we'll do the, the, it'll be the Brady Quinn AAF show. How's that sound? We'll recap AAF. Oh, no, let's not, let, let's, let's not go that far. We can talk about it on a week to week basis, but there's, there's too many other things coming up. Like the combine's coming up at the end of the month. We got that to talk about free agency. No, but I'm saying that's like, that's coming up. We obviously, you and I will brand ourselves as like the first podcast, first AAF podcasters. And Whoa. then we'll be out of the gate. Yeah, and look, if they don't have, 
if they don't have stats yet, you better believe a lot of the other nerds creating these podcasts. They're not they're not talking about the AAF yet. Like they're, like they're waiting for the stats to come out you say, before they can launch their podcast. Right? You, do you say other nerds creating podcasts? It, it implies that I'm. Yeah, I, I, I'm, <laughs> you know, you're definitely a nerd. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm including myself in that because I'm a part of a, a wow. podcast right now that's with the nerds. So thereby, wow. you are kind of what your company is. Right? Things you're sinking, you're sinking lower and lower. This is this is, this is how's Brady doing? It's going really it's going really poorly for him. <laughs> He's a self-admitted podcast nerd. Uh, anyway, so back to NFL news. Uh, this is interesting from John Oran. Uh, is it John Oran? John Oran of the uh, Sports Business Journal writes that the NFL, this is a quote, the NFL is leaning toward having the Bears host the Packers for next season opening kickoff game on Thursday, September 5th, according to multiple sources. The move would mark the first time since 2006 that the Super Bowl champion will not appear in the league's opening game. The newly crowned Patriots likely will host the season's first Sunday night football game instead on September 8th. And uh, Oregon goes on to write that the, 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 uh, the impetus for this is that they want to have the season's old, the league's oldest rivalry kick off the hundredth year of the NFL, uh, which begins next season. Something that will be forced down your throat over and over and over again that the NFL is a hundred years old. The Bears and Packers first played in 1921, have faced each other 198 times. So 199, um, another snub for Tom Brady on 199 would be, uh, the Bears and, uh, Packers to open the season. Your thoughts on the Patriots not getting that opener? Um, okay. I mean, I, I, I think they might be okay with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> usually, usually when you, you open the season first, it means everything starts up earlier for you. And I mean, it's kind of unfair, right? Uh, only sure. because you're the team that just got done playing last. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of indifferent to it. It's just the beginning of the season. I, I think I'd always want more time, uh, rather than less in that sure. regard. So, you know, if, if I'm not playing the opening weekend, okay, who cares? So, it's no disrespect to them, but you know how they operate. I mean, it'll somehow be a chip on their shoulder. So, again, the NFL just trying to do all they can to ensure that the Patriots get back to another Super Bowl. The NFL, I think ESPN came out with power rankings. I think it was titled Way Too Soon Power Rankings for 2019. And, of course, of course, the Patriots were number four. I mean, what They had the Rams, the Saints, and the Chiefs all ahead of the Patriots. I'm like, what is – like, everyone apparently wants – the Patriots to continue their dominance because they keep giving them more bolt and board material and motivation to get there. I wonder if Pete Prisco did power rankings after the season. And if he did, do you think a uh, final 2018 power rankings um, looks like these were January, January 1st. What is Pete work anymore? Do you think Pete works anymore? You think he just, just no, call, yeah, no. He just he's call, he just probably call. at the beach. He's probably got one of those reflectors that they hold up when you sit in a lawn chair on the beach. <laughs> it just, it, it's, it's directing even more sunlight onto his body. No, yeah, that's certainly what his body needs. Um, all right. The most likely opponents for the opening Patriots game are the Browns, Chiefs, Giants, or Steelers. Which one would you most like to see and which one do you think the Patriots most likely want to see? Oh, I have no idea. It's such a tough call because, I mean, look, the Giants, I actually think are probably the worst of, of those teams, no, no at doubt. least based off what we know last year. Um, I, I don't know. I think the like Browns for me would be intriguing, right? With the momentum they're carrying and everything else, that would be a lot of fun. Although Kansas City would be tough because, you know, you're playing each other week one, and the only reason why I wouldn't want it to be that opening matchup is because I'd want to see those two after they have some games in their belt. So we can see really what probably the top two teams in the AFC look like. Um, not, not the opening weekend where, you know, you can have, you know, hit or miss kind of. So I'd rather see them more like what they, what they play week six this past year. Yeah. Like that would be a better time for me to want to watch that great matchup. Uh, but Pittsburgh will be interesting and be fun. Um, you know, Kansas City, I don't know that you can go wrong between Pittsburgh, Kansas City and Cleveland. The Giants are one I, I really just, I, I, I wouldn't want to see that. I want to see if the Giants are going to be any good next year. Yeah, and uh the logic so the logic with going with the Giants would be that, you know, you have enough star power with that team. The Giants and the Patriots have a history and it's the opening game, so no matter what happens there's going to be interest around it. Uh I'm I'm with you. I think that if you're if you're gonna get Browns, Patriots and and uh and and by the way, uh, our bosses at CBS may say, Hey, no 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 
Do not take Browns Patriots. We want that for later in the season. Do not take uh, Chiefs Patriots. We want that for later in the season, although that was on Sunday night last year. And I, I agree. You can get, you can, if you want to really squeeze the juice out of the proverbial, uh, orange, the way to do it is to go Giants because you're going to get action anyway. It's the first week of the season. And then you have Patriots Browns, Patriots Chiefs, Patriots Steelers later on in the year that make for great primetime games. Um, I had another piece of news I was going to ask you about, and now I'm forgetting what it was. Well, we were going to talk about the Jets a little bit. With yeah, that's what the, it was. The way they've constructed their staff. Thank you for hosting the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is weird. Like, so we talked about this before. Joe Vitt is, uh, is, is, uh, is Adam Gase's father-in-law. Would you want to work with your father-in-law on your, on your coaching staff um, or at your job? And is Joe Vitt the scariest father-in-law of all time? Uh, I don't. I don't know if he's the scariest. He's up there. Uh, I met him a couple of times. Seems like a really nice guy. Uh, I, I would. I would want to work with my father-in-law, uh, especially in that capacity, or, or one in which. Look, Adam Gates is that you don't know if you're going to get a second one. Um, he got a second one. It's very rare you ever get a third. So you better make sure it's right. You better surround yourself with people that are going to be there to support you and people you think are good at what they do. Uh, Joe Vitt falls in that category. I, I think the, the difficulty is. Adam Gase was reluctant to hire Greg Williams' son, who's now on the defensive side, that, that part of the staff. And it's just you, you, you kind of wonder how this is all going to work out. I mean, for starters, you've got a family affair, right? You've got Greg Williams and his son on defense, Adam Gase, Joe Vitt on offense. Mm. And you wonder if the offense isn't doing well, is the defense going to be frustrated with the offense and vice versa, uh, and how that's going to work out. Because there's always going to be adversity in the course of the season, especially when you play in the AFC East and you've got to play against the New England Patriots twice a year. Um, but, but the other thing that's, that's a little bit odd is Joe Vitt, when he was being, um, I guess when they were doing their investigation, he was given, testi- he was given testimony to Paul Tagliabue. Yeah. yeah. That, about Greg Williams and said <laughs> that he wasn't, uh, very you know, fully truthful, I think, with, with some of the things they said in regards to how everything was operating. Now, look, both Vitt and Greg Williams got suspended. Now, Vitt had a minor suspension. I think it was like, what, six games? Six games. And Greg Williams is the entire year. But uh, at the end of the day, you, you wonder if there's there's still maybe some hard feelings there uh, and if that doesn't resurface at some point. Yeah, uh, Vitt uh, accused Williams of lying in his testimony to Paul Tagliabue. Um, and he also said, this is from Rich Zimini recalling this, and I, I remember writing about it, uh, also the players didn't take Williams seriously because of his, quote, false bravado and, quote, shtick. He does have a shtick. His stick is being a crazy, no, no. crazy jerk. You don't think he has a stick? I, 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 don't, I don't think he has a stick, no. Hey, you think no. it's legit? You think he's a legit a-hole? Who's that? Greg Williams? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, I think there, there's there's guys who could be like that, and they're actually good guys, though, right? Like, I, or, or I should say a good coach, and they're good to be like that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's a little bit like that, and that's okay. Like, I have no problem with that. Uh, if he is that way, you know what I'm saying? Um, at least that's how I feel. Like I, I love his demeanor as a defensive coordinator, as a defensive head coach. Uh, if that comes off as a jerk, as an a hole, whatever you want to call it, uh, I love it. So I, I'm not going to have any any issues with it. Okay, so you're not you you say no shtick. All right, that's fine. Um, we don't need it. Yeah. All right. What do you think about? Um, uh, oh goodness gracious! So I, I'm, uh, oh yeah. So the the Chiefs won't let Patrick Mahomes play basketball. Fair or unfair? <laughs> That's usually that no. That's usually written in every contract. Bottom, bottom line, you're not doing a good contract, at least on the team side, <laughs> if you don't write in language where you can't ski, you can't snowboard, you can't play basketball, you can't uh, go out. I mean, shoot, there was. I remember when Nintendo Wii came out and there was some sort of tennis game. I think yeah. that was there for it. Like pitchers were having issues with their elbows because they were playing Nintendo Wii too much. That started getting written into baseball contracts. I think it even found its way into football contracts. So. There's all sorts of language that are in a contract that prohibits you from doing these sorts of activities. And it's not just quarterbacks. It's most players. Like, for example, if I'm under contract with a team and I go out and I'm playing basketball at the, the local rec center and I break my ankle, guess what? You ain't getting paid. All right. It's in your contract. That, that's not something that, oh, it, you know, you'll be getting whatever was guaranteed to you. But anything else as far as when you go in that season, if you're on IR, you're not getting paid. You know, they're not covering anything for you. So um, those sorts of things are written in your contract already. So it's not really surprising. What is the weirdest thing that was written into your contract? Uh, I don't know about anything weird. I, after my back injury, <clears throat> the contract I signed with the Dolphins was so crappy. My <laughs> agent had to fax a letter that stated that 
I, he's telling me not to sign this, but I'm still signing it because I, I literally just wanted to play football. Right. But the language within it stated that if I had re-injured my back, I would make nothing and I had to have surgery by their doctors and go to rehab with their people. So that way it wouldn't cost them more money if I wanted to you know, have a different surgeon do the procedure and um, go rehab somewhere else. They even put in language that said, if I got injured as a result of my back, if they could somehow create the, you know, the idea behind, you know, what that, that, that injury really was, you know, I was led to that injury because of my back injury. If they could somehow find, find out if that was the case, I wouldn't get paid. Same scenario too. Would have to have surgery with their doctors and like it, with their people. So like if you um, broke your leg, awful, like if you broke your leg yeah, and they're like, and they're oh, like, oh, that's because the back. Because your back. Oh my God. That's, yeah. that's dirty. Uh, man. If they could somehow find a way of doing that, that would be, that, that, that was essentially how it was, was going to work out. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how odd that sounds, but it was the only time I ever encountered it. It's, it's the only time my agent had ever talked to me about, you know, saying, Hey, look, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, if you're asking for my advice and you know, all that, like you shouldn't sign this. He's like, but if you want to play, um, and you feel like this is a good opportunity, then, then you should go through with it. And, and then that was kind of his advice. And so it was what it was, but, um, that was probably like one of the things I looked at and thought, what am I doing? Like, like I, I'm potentially gonna get injured for nothing at this point, <laughs> just so I get a shot at playing. Like it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Like your agent's like, listen, I'm not getting blasted by the media when you don't, when you lose all your money and your back is screwed up and having other agents like tell me, like be like, look at this, like screw this guy. He gave that, he let Quinn sign that, you know what I mean? Cause they play that dirty pool game. Um, so he, he like, he like sent some letterhead down to the Dolphins. That is interesting. Uh, I'm glad that you didn't hurt your back, Brady. That would have stunk. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry that you're back. Well, I, I already did hurt my back. Just didn't hurt it worse. Right. I'm, I'm glad that you didn't like get more injured. That would have been because you've been you're already battling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're already battling the whole, you know, tall and uh, super athletic thing. Um, I I feel your pain. Trust me. Wow. Um, wow. What? Yeah, here we go. What? What? Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I do feel bad for you because you are you you're a quarterback. You got beat like you got the crap kicked out of you. Like it's hard. It must be hard. There's like there are things that like like physically you have stuff that you have to deal with throughout your daily life that is that is different than other people have to deal with, right? Right. I mean, look, I, I had an injury to my foot, like a Liz Frank injury that you yeah. know stinks. I mean, to this day, <laughs> that, that I mean that whole story of how that worked out and and how I got coerced into not having surgery, then got traded, like. That's about as bad as it gets, but that's that's like the NFL. So it's the off season. We could save that story for another day. All right, that sounds good. We got to go anyway. Uh, this podcast has run long. Thank you, Brady Quinn, as always for your time. Great breakdown of the AAF. Follow Brady on Twitter at three rd underscore goal and uh, Instagram too. Same same uh, same handle, right? Uh, no, that's just my name. Yep. Oh, Brady Quinn on Instagram. All right, uh, follow him at those places, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, man. Sounds good, brother. I'll see you.